Today we're going to be continuing our series, uh, The Best News You've Ever Heard, and talking about God's kingdom, uh, the grace that he extends for everybody, and we're going to be in Luke 14 uh, here in just a minute. But about 18 years ago, in the fall of 1998, uh, I know for many of you teenagers, uh, before you were born, uh, or you were barely born, uh, that's like pre-real internet, uh, pre-real internet, when if you had a party, you actually had to send an invitation in the mail and use a stamp and hope and pray that someone responded to you with uh, that same stamp or a new stamp and got it back to the mail or phone or called you on a landline. Uh, that's what you hope for. Well, we were uh, about to get married, Brandy and I, that, that was 18 years ago. Two of her best friends uh, hosted a shower for her like all good friends do. And they invited about 30 people to this shower. All of our friends, uh, we were working with young adults at the time, so there were lots of young adults uh, in our friendship network. And so they invited about 30 people. Uh, it was up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we were living. Uh, Brandy's mom drove up uh, from the woodlands to the shower. And so they're making all the preparations. Uh, both of these young ladies who are the hosts are uh, the hostess with the mostest. I mean, they're, they go all out when they do things. And, and so it was a great setup at one of their parents' houses. It was a beautiful setting, great day. And about 10 minutes before the party start, no one's there. Well, that's not a big deal, right? Because these are young adults. And are you supposed to be on time to a party? No. So 10 minutes goes by, 20 minutes, 30 minutes after the party is supposed to start, one young lady, our friend Suzanne, walks through the door. Hey, glad to be here. So glad. Thanks for coming. Glad you were here. 40 minutes goes by, 45 minutes, an hour, and Suzanne is the only guest. Out of the 30 people, none of which sent their regrets. So you can imagine at a wedding shower, the mentality of Amy and Charmaine, the hosts, Anger, frustration, they've spent a lot of time and money and energy. And then, of course, Brandy, frustrated, like nobody loves me, I don't have any friends. Her mom, who drove up from the Houston area to be there. And the frustration that comes when you have a party or an event or you invite people and they let you down. That's very similar to our story today. In Luke 14, Jesus is at a dinner party himself. He's at a Pharisee's house and they're eating dinner. And there's some discussion going on and, and Jesus knows the heart of these men. And so towards the end of the discussion, Jesus challenges these Pharisees with something. And so we're going to pick up the story in Luke 14, verse 12, and kind of get the precursor to the parable we're going to read. But in Luke 14, verse 12, it says this, Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, 
Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, unfortunately, that man at the end missed what is about to come his way in form of this parable. But Jesus, as he's reclining at the table, he tells the host, right, the man who invited him, by the way, the next time you have a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends. Now, on the surface, you and I would be very offended by that if we read it in our um, English New International Version. But in the original language, it's not a, a command to say, don't invite your friends. It's more of the idea of don't always invite your friends and only your friends to everything. Stop continually inviting your little clique of people to your stuff. You need to broaden your scope. You need to open your eyes to those around you. There are those that are needy, those that are blind and lame and crippled and poor. Luke uses those four, that four combination quite a bit. So those are the people that you need to connect with. So often we get focused inward and we only look at the people who look like us and think like us and act like us. Pay attention to those who are different. And the Pharisees' response to Jesus' comment was very telling because it demonstrated that those at that table, those in, in his company didn't get it. They saw the kingdom of God as this very far off theoretical place that if you follow the rules enough, one day you'll raise your glass and you'll sit at the banquet table of God because you've done all the right things and checked all the right boxes. And he missed it. Because the whole concept of banquet, the great banquet, is symbolic for a relationship with God, with the kingdom of God, with being in the presence of God, understanding that you have a seat with the Messiah. In the, in the days of Jesus, it meant that, and today it means that. The banquet is a symbol for sitting and enjoying fellowship with God the Father. And for us, that happens through relationship with Jesus. These men miss that. And so Jesus tells this story beginning in verse 16. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell all those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Jesus tells this story to help his dinner guests 
understand what the kingdom is really about. This certain man who, who wanted to throw a party invites his, his friends, everybody that he knows, to come and, and celebrate with him, to enjoy this great banquet. This is a major event in, in the life of, of this man, and he wants his friends to be there. The symbolism of, of the great banquet of God is, is evident from the very first statement. And in Jewish culture, when you threw a party, when you threw a great banquet, there were two invitations, not one, but two. The first invitation would be for those that would, would be invited formally to the great event. Like today, we would send something in the mail with a stamp on it and expect a response. All of these men had given their RSVP. That was the first invitation. And then the second invitation actually came in person. A servant would go to their home and say, now is the time, the banquet is ready, the party is ready to begin, come on. And so these men were invited to this party not once, but twice. And they had excuses. The first one had a field that he had just purchased. He had to go check it out because dirt changes a lot from day to day. The other one had five oxen that he had to try out. I'm not sure how you test drive oxen, but he was going to do it. And then the third man got married. That just snuck up on him. But see, what I just did is what we do. We, we fill in the blanks in this story about why or what for, how come this happened. But notice that, that Luke, who's writing this, and even Jesus telling the story provides no additional commentary on these excuses. He doesn't say anything if they were a good excuse or a bad excuse. He just keeps telling the story. But the question we've got to think about, and, and perhaps Jesus was implying in the midst of the story, is there any good reason to forfeit the banquet, to not attend the banquet. Maybe a little differently. Is there any good excuse for forfeiting eternal life? Remember, this is about the kingdom of God. And so no matter what excuse you give, and we give lots of them today for everything, there's no good excuse for forfeiting a seat at the table. But our world is full of excuses. We use excuses all the time. There was a young lady who got asked out on a date and she wasn't real interested in this young man and so she told him, I'm sorry, I can't go with you. I just changed the locks on my house and I can't get out. It's horrible. Many of you still work and so tomorrow... Feel free to skip work and call your supervisor and say, you know, I'm sorry I missed work today, but I forgot what day of the week it was. It's just tough remembering that Monday comes after Sunday. It's hard. Or maybe you've been invited to a party. A friend of yours and you don't really want to go. In our age of political correctness, I would encourage you to say something like this. I'd love to go, but I'd rather sit by myself than talk to you. We need some truth in the world these days. And so just share the truth with people. 
You don't really like them that much. But that's us, right? We give excuses all the time. We give excuses when it comes to our relationship with God about our seat at the table. And Jesus, without saying a word about these excuses, I'm sure penetrated the heart of these men. And the homeowner, after hearing that his friends had shunned him, ignored him, after he committed time and money and energy to celebrate, they walked away from him. He's mad, and rightfully so. But in his anger, he doesn't turn his anger inward and just say, forget everybody. No, he's gracious and generous and loving. And so he says to his servants, go and find the lame, the crippled, the blind, the poor, and bring them in because I'm going to have a party and I want people here. Bring them in. And the servant said, sir, we've done that. And there's still more room. What, What a gracious host. And let me make the leap. What a gracious God who says, I always want more at the table, at the banquet. And so go to the highways and the country lanes, find the people, compel them, make them come to the party. Have you ever been made to go to a party? That's usually, if it's a good party, you want to go. But most of you know I'm pretty shy and reserved. And, and so, a few of you got that, thank you. Um, and so, when I was in sixth grade, I sat at the lunch table with a bunch of other sixth grade boys because that was still, you know, sixth grade, still boys here and girls here. Uh, and there was a, a young man a few seats down from me. His name was Brian. And Brian was turning 12 on April 11th. And he was having a party. Well, I didn't know Brian very well because we had gone to different elementary schools and then just been put together as sixth graders in the, in the middle school campus. And so Brian is with his little kind of set of the table inviting those guys to his party into his house to play basketball and he had a pool table and do just, you know, sixth grade boy stuff. And so I leaned over and said, hey, Brian, what about me? Well, Brian had no intention of inviting me but I invited myself. And guess who got to go to Brian's 12-year-old birthday party? Me. And for the next six years, all through middle school and into high school, Brian and I became best friends. We played basketball together in junior high. We played tennis together in high school. Uh, I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding. All because I invited myself to his party. So I take the credit for the friendship But in this scenario, in this story, the people that Jesus is talking about, the servant is going out to the highways, the country lanes, these are people who would be very uncomfortable at a wealthy man's banquet. And so his advice, his message to his servants is compel them. Not force them and make them, coerce them, no. But demonstrate to them how much I want them, how much I love them, how much I care for them. I want them at my table. They're the outsiders. 
because he wants his house full. God is concerned with one thing, to fill his kingdom. And he's so concerned about that that he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for us, to cover our sin, to to die a death that we deserved so that he could fill his kingdom so that all of us, everyone could have a seat at the table, the great banquet table. And so I wonder, who are God's favorite people? Who's invited to the party? Who is that? I believe our parable gives us a great understanding of the three types of people that are God's favorite. And by the way, that's the only three types of people because God loves everybody. But if you look at the story, he talks about those men who were originally invited Those were the insiders, right? Those were his friends. Those were the people closest to him. You might might make the leap to say those were the religious leaders even of Jesus' day. Those are the folks that understood what it meant to follow the scripture, to live a life of of righteousness uh, as much as they could could in themselves. They knew. They knew the Old Testament. They knew what it meant to live the right way. And God loves them so much that he invited them not once, but twice. He sent them a formal invitation, come to the great banquet. And then he sent his servant out, come. His entire ministry, Jesus' ministry, was to get the Jew first, then the Gentile, right? Salvation is first to the Jew then to the Gentile. God loves even those who would reject him. Those who are so close yet walked away, turned their back on him. But he loves those that are spiritually handicapped too. The poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled. Those that have some experience with Jesus, but somehow they've been burned or hurt. They're they're right on the edge. And in the Jewish culture, those people who had a physical ailment, they were lame or blind or crippled. They could actually worship to an extent. They were allowed this far into the temple, but yet were restricted because of their handicap, because their ailment, because their deficiency. Yet those are the ones that God loves. Maybe today you're here and you've been burned. Maybe a Christian, someone on the inside has hurt you. Maybe you've walked away and decided to live your own way for a while. And you come back with a little bit of a limp because the world's beat you up. You know that God loves you. He wants you at the table. He says, come, there's room. But the last group, in this context, in the story, are the Gentiles. Those that are beyond the city. 
Those don't have the, the Jewish heritage that the first group had. And Jesus is declaring his message that, that all are to come to the table. All. These men, they were listening to the story, these Pharisees, it would be completely beyond their thinking to invite people outside of the Jewish culture to be a part of the kingdom of God. No way. God's for the Jew, period. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And so that's why the master tells the servant, compel them, because they will be hesitant to come. And in our world today, it would be the person who wouldn't darken the door of the church because they would think the roof would cave in, right? Because they're so bad. God couldn't love them. They're too far gone. They're not redeemable. And yet the master tells the servant, they're my favorite people. Bring them. I love them. I want them at the table. Some of you, might have been a little nervous walking in this morning <laughs> that lightning might strike or the lights would flicker or the roof would shake if you stepped foot in here. But you need to know that Jesus wants a relationship with you. He loves you. He extends his grace to you. We even sang about it. When the group sang during the offertory, that song, Adoption, is a beautiful song. It says, we are the cold and the starving. We are scared and trembling. We are the desperately lost. We are the alone and hopeless. We are the outcast orphans. We are the ones no one wants. But a father is coming for us. You adopted us in. You made us your own. You adopted us in and you gave us a home. No matter which group you think you might have naturally been in because of your religious heritage, we're all outsiders in the kingdom of God. And to receive not just the invitation, but we accept the invitation. That's what God's calling us this morning, is to accept his invitation to a seat at his table. Not just some far off distant eternity, but right now. Because the kingdom of God is now. And so are you coming to the party? Perhaps the better question is, are you enjoying the party? Because the party's now. The joy of, of a relationship with Christ is abundant life now and for eternity. Are you enjoying the party? And if you are, who have you invited to the party to join you? To celebrate the goodness of God. To receive him as Lord and Savior. My prayer is that we would each have a seat at the table. And that we would be compelled to invite others. May we do that as the people of God.